Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. This is Combat Sports with Rhino, your A1 numero uno show for all things combat sports. I am your host, the Rhino. Well, we had quite the action-packed weekend when it came to combat sports. The entire landscape was just full of great fights, full of ups and downs, barn burners, blood and guts. I loved it all. I'm here to bring it to you in a condensed, beautiful package. We'll go ahead and get us started. Self-started with uh, UFC Fight Night Busan, South Korea. I'm only going to go over the main event, uh, the main card result, just because there's so much to get to, and I don't want to take away from some of the other uh, great stuff we had on content this weekend. So uh, leading off the main card was Kang Kyung Ho, who defeated Pingwan Liu by unanimous decision. This was a close fight. Uh, the strike count was very similar between the two guys. The The real difference for Kwang Ho was the three takedowns. Uh, he went three for seven on takedowns, had some nice top position, a little bit of ground and pound. Uh, that was definitely the, you know, that was definitely the, the decision-making process as far as who won that fight. So uh, good on him. Another, the South Korean crowd was pretty stoked that their local guy got the big win from the beginning. Uh, moving on to another South Korean, which whose nickname I just fucking love, okay? Pyong Jung Young, the Iron Turtle. I mean, my God, who does not like something like that? Versus against, I believe, the French Canadian, uh, Marc Andre Berriot. He beat him again by unanimous decision. This was a middleweight fight. Uh, Park outstruck Mark 77 to 51 in significant strikes. Uh, you do that, you're going to get the decision, no question. So, UD for the Iron Turtle. Uh, moving on to our next fight, which was Jung Daun versus Mike Rodriguez. We did not have to wait very long for the violence on this one. The bell rang. They met in the middle. They exchanged some punches. Uh, dude, Jung Daun cracked Rodriguez with a beautiful two, sent him careening to the canvas, mounted him, landed three more fucking stiff shots. Probably unnecessary. Rodriguez is out clean and just 64 seconds into the first round. Loved, loved, loved it. Moving on to what I'm going to say was, for me, was the was the fight of the night. Honestly, the most back-and-forth, exciting shit of the entire evening. Charles Jordan versus the Korean Superboy, uh, Cho, Choi Daho. Daho. Choi Daho, man. Okay. We'll stick with Korean Superboy. So, uh, these two come out in non-stop action. I mean, from the jump. We had really heavy leg kicks. We had beautiful punches. Uh, the Korean Superboy showed that iron chin that he's shown to have over the over the course of his career. But, man, Jordan just came out of nowhere, dude. Huge uppercuts, lefts, rights, kicks. I mean, beautiful combinations put together. To his credit, the Korean Superboy showed super heart by staying in there. But come the middle, towards the end of the second round, Dude, Charles Jordan just TKO'd him, put him on the canvas. It was a wrap. Poor uh, Korean Superboy lost in front of the fucking hometown. But you know what? It is what it is. It's a sport. He'll be back. He's young in his career. He always puts on a performance that you want to see again. Charles Jordan, up-and-comer. I'd like to see what he has next. Uh, moving on to the co-main event, which was Vulcan Olsdemir versus Alex Rackick. Now, this one was definitely not without controversy. Um, when you look at the strike comp, we look at the strike copy box, very similar. Uh, I thought Olsdemir was more of the winger. You know what I mean? He was more crazy. He was more outlandish with the outside wingy strikes kind of a deal. At some point, he did some very strange, like double clap attempting at a technique where he literally put his hands together and kind of tried to clap. Uh, Rackick in the face. It was very strange. I thought Rackick did a little bit more. He was more technical. His shots were straighter. I just thought he landed more. I thought he was more effective. But the split decision actually went to Vulcan, which, again, it's kind of like the um, the MMA theory of 
If you get fucked over, if you stay around long enough, the kind of pendulum swings the other way and gets his way back. Because we all saw Vulcan versus uh, versus Reyes. Reyes got the split decision over Vulcan. I thought Vulcan won that fight, so he kind of got robbed. Then this time around, you know, I thought maybe Rackick won, but then Oldsmere gets the decision. So I don't know. It's kind of that theory of what goes around comes around. So Vulcan gets the win. I still think Rackick is a top-tier 205-er, and I still think he's going to stay in the top 10. Uh, so that was pretty much what we have for the co-main event. Now, the main event, one just like last week with Max Holloway, hurts the Rhino's heart. <clears throat> Frankie Edgar has been a huge, uh, I've been a huge fan of Frankie Edgar for forever. It's really hard not to like him. He is such a, uh, he's such an inspirational story. He's always fought above his weight class. He's always been a blood and guts warrior. You could kick the shit out of the guy. He comes back. He wins. I, I mean, he's a wonderful personality. I really, really like him. So he comes out, but he's going against the Korean zombie. Uh, now, keep in mind, for those of you who don't know, this was supposed to be Brian Ortega and the Korean zombie. Brian Ortega had to pull out a few weeks ago. Frankie Edgar, as he always does, steps in, company man, all balls, steps in, goes to South Korea to fight a guy in his home soil, and not just any guy, the Korean fucking zombie. This dude has that nickname for a reason. You can hit him with baseball bats, and he still comes forward. He is an unbelievably durable fighter. Frankie has shown himself to be a very durable fighter over time. So I was very interested to see what was going to happen. This was at 145, so Frankie is now again once at 145, where he's the former 155-pound champion. So I thought size wasn't going to be a big deal. It really didn't fucking matter, dude. <laughs> they, they came out. They showed some exchanges. Frankie, for the first time in his entire career, looked slower then the other guy, I thought TKZ was quicker. I thought his reflexes were better. He was obviously rangier. Um, it, it wasn't the Frankie that I'm used to seeing. So, again, Frankie, they're exchanging. Frankie gets caught with a beautiful uppercut, left hook, sends him back into the cage. He's hurt. Korean Superboy, uh, I'm not sorry, not Korean Superboy, Korean Zombie, follows up, gets on top, creates more damage, eventually finishes Frankie uh, at 318 in the first round. The good part about Frankie Edgar is he's always game. He's always going to give you everything he's got, and he's super talented. The problem with Frankie Edgar is now he's 38. Now he's been stopped on several occasions. You think about all the wars. I think it's a fact. I think it's a UFC fact that Frankie Edgar has the most in-cage time of any other current fighter on the UFC roster. That shit takes its toll, dude. Your body was not meant to do this. Our bodies were not meant to do this. I had 21 fucking fights as a professional boxer. There is, dude, I'm a wreck, okay? Every day I get up, everything hurts. This dude is about the same age as I am. He's had a few more fights than me, not to mention all the years of wrestling. It eventually takes its toll on you. Frankie, I don't want to see you uh, continue to get smashed, particularly in first rounds. I don't see, you know what I said, just like for Uriah, Uriah Faber, I still think Frankie can compete at the UFC level. I still think he is a name and a draw, and I still think he can be successful. You just need to drop the level of competition. No more guys in the top five. No more guys maybe even in the top ten. Become like a, I don't want to use the word gatekeeper, but become, become somebody who is fighting that periphery 10 to 15 range guy and see if they have the medal to ascend the level. Frankie could be that guy, and he could do it for three or four more fights if he wants to keep fighting. I never tell people that they should for sure retire usually, um, and I'm not going to say that now. I do want to see him drop the level of competition if he is going to stay in the UFC. So that's what I'd like to see from Frankie Edgar. It doesn't mean I don't love the guy because, by God, I certainly do. There was some great 
boxing this weekend. And I'm using the term great loosely. There were some great matchups. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is Danny the Magic Man Jacobs versus Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Now, this is what we would call the low side of boxing, right? It was a fucking joke. Danny the Magic Man Jacobs is everything that's right with boxing. He's not only a great fighter, he's got a great attitude. He's a cancer survivor, family man, respectful, super high fight IQ, brings everything he has every time he comes into the ring. Then on the opposite end of the spectrum, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. And real quick, Julio, fuck you. Um, You are absolutely the opposite, dude. You're the son of a legend. Your father, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., was the epitome of a blood and guts warrior, beloved by his country, someone that everybody could get behind and want to support. And then there's you. Here's a few words I have to describe you, young man. Spoiled, entitled, consummate weight misser, substance abuser, who was given the softest path of competition imaginable leading up to the latter part of your career. You come out after a long layoff. You got everything you wanted. You got you got the weight increased. You got the location diff, uh, made into a different location. You, all these little, all these little nuanced things that you wanted done on your favor were done for you to make this fight happen. You came out the first couple rounds. I'll give it to you. You you had a pretty decent couple rounds. Um, Danny Jacobs takes a little time to warm up, so I think there was a combination of both. The third, the fourth, and the fifth. You were getting your ass handed to you, and then what'd you do? In a typical spoiled brat fashion, you quit on your stool, claiming a hand injury, slash that Jacobs was being a dirty fighter and headbutting. There was a clash of heads at once, but it wasn't a dirty shot. Jacobs isn't that dude. You were just looking for an excuse to get out. We all saw it. We all know it. There was a picture of your dad, Julio Cesar Chavez Sr., sitting outside with his hand covering his face in disgust. If that doesn't tell you exactly what he thought about the night, I don't know what does. As you left the ring, you were pelted with beer and popcorn and booze and all sorts of other things that you completely deserved. And then you had the audacity to talk about rematch. You don't get a rematch. You don't get shit. I can't stand you. I can't wait for you to be out of boxing. You are everything that's wrong. Danny Jacobs is everything that's right. Get on out of here, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., now, moving our way to the good boxing match of the weekend, we had Jermel Charlo and Tony Harrison. Tony Harrison, I have to give full disclosure, it is my journalistic integrity to say I've met him. We fought on the same card before back in Detroit. Love the guy. I'm biased, okay? Uh, I watched their first fight when Tony took Jermel's 154 belt the first time, and it was, it was super close. I know that a lot of people thought it was a robbery of Charlo. I didn't see it that way. What I saw was Tony Harrison keeping it very close and Jermel looking almost disinterested at times, and that's how Tony was able to take the first fight. So there was a lot of lot of pub on this one, a lot of bad blood, a lot of animosity. Um, their first fight was very competitive, and I knew this fight was going to be too. Uh, from the opening bell uh, last night, Tony was landing some beautiful body shots. The body work was really starting to add up. You could tell it was hurting Jermel. Um, then Jermel started coming back with harder shots. I think those... That early body work and the shorter punches really it woke him up. You know what I mean? He started landing really hard. Uh, I had it razor thin all the way through. A beautiful ebb and flow. And it's just the kind of fight you like to see. I'm glad that it was on regular Fox because that way everybody with a TV in America was able to see high-level boxing um, without having to have cable or streaming service or anything else. I was really, really impressed that this was on regular Fox. 
Beautiful fight, back and forth. I wasn't sure who I had going into going into the 11th. I wasn't sure. I mean, it could have been either way. Uh, fortunately, we did not have to go to the decision. Jermel Charlo cracks Tony bad. Sends him to the canvas. Gamely, he gets up. He fights for another 10, 15 seconds. Boom, gets dropped again in the 11th. Again, Gamely, Detroit motherfuckers, gets up, showing all the heart in the world. Fights his way back into the fight. Uh, and unfortunately, he gets caught again. Put up against the ropes. Charlo lands. Well, he threw like a 10 or 15 punch combination. I only think he landed three or four, but it was enough to make the referee jump in, stop the fight. Tony Harrison immediately was, you know, um, protesting the stoppage. But again, as much as I am a, a fan of all Detroit fighters and as much as I back them, that was the right move by the referee. That was the right call. Jermel Charlo regains his 154-pound belt from Tony Harrison last night with an 11th round TKO stoppage. There's a lot of fun matchups to be made at 154 on the boxing landscape. I liked it when, if there's a guy who wins and then the next guy beats him in the rematch, I like a rubber match. I like a trilogy. I love seeing that and then seeing really who is the better fighter, right? So I would love to see the two of them come back at again, dude. Let's go around. Let's go a third fight, people. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I want to see. Uh, yeah, so Jermel Charlo re regains his title from Tony Harrison. I'd love to see them do it again. Uh, the, the thing about boxing is it never stops. It never slows down. Uh, that's why we love it so much. MMA, is unfortunately, is has a lot of content, um, not stuff that we're all going to watch all the time. UFC and Bellator are really going to get the most of it, obviously. The next UFC isn't until uh, January 18th when it's going to be Cowboy and McGregor. And I assure you, I'm probably going to do a whole show on that one card itself down the road, but I don't want to get into picks on that right now. <clears throat> also, over the weekend, there were two Bellator cards, one on Paramount, one on DAZN. And they're really the only highlights that come out of it for me from what I saw A.J. McKee is a fucking stud. I've talked about him at length previously. He is going to be a world champion very, very soon. He has all the tools. I, I can't say enough about the guy. A.J. McKee, once again, going to be a champion one day. The next night in Hawaii, Alima Leigh McFarland retained her women's championship belt. Uh, and, and again, she just doesn't seem to want to put the put down on the gas, if you will. She's a really strong striker. She's good everywhere. Again, I'd like to see her really push the pace more and get some more earlier finishes. She's that talented. She should be able to do that. So Alimale McFarland once again retains her belt. AJ McKee wins his fight. That's really my two only big uh, takeaways. That's really my only two big takeaways from uh, last night's Bellator card. And now a brand new part of our show where we are going to be doing our Twitter questions. But I have a special guest with me today who's going to be delivering those questions to me and then me answering them. So without further ado, the newest addition to Combat Sports with Rhino, my Twitter question liaison. The beautiful, the talented, the wonderful, the blonde, the blue-eyed, the silly and informative <laughs> Bailey. Bailey, what is our first question and who is it from? It is from X. Dex Purple Pants. Whose name is? Laura. Laura. Yep. Do we think Edgar Sanhagen goes down? I think no, but the UFC is on crack lately, and it just might. <laughs> well, Laura, that's very true. We get some matchups sometimes that we can't believe they are happening. Uh, the answer to this one is no. I don't think Frankie Edgar or 
I don't think Frank Yeager's coming back anytime soon. I think Sanhagen's going to need a fight before then. Um, you know, I think Sanhagen's trajectory is completely upwards, and unfortunately, Frankie is on the down. So, no, I don't see that happening. I would be shocked if it did. Crazier things have happened for sure, but I don't think so. And just on a personal note, congratulations on the news that you shared over Twitter. We are so, so, so happy for you. Amazing. Uh, you're going to be a fantastic mom, wonderful person. Thank you so much for the question. All righty, now we have question two comes from. <laughs> Unsolicited fight picks. <laughs> what champion do you see holding their belt all through 2020, and what's your go-to Christmas meal? Well, my man at Unsolicited Fight Picks, which actually just made Bailey laugh and blush upon seeing the name, um, for me, it's Izzy, dude. I think Izzy has to be has to have the best chance uh, to hold the belt through 2020. I know Romero. I know Costa are killers, and they're in the 185-pound division. But Izzy, and I thought about it kind of like Anderson Silva's run. Now, granted, Izzy isn't Anderson Silva, and he doesn't have the ground game that Anderson does. But I kind of see the combination of the uh, kickboxing, the range, the size, the confidence, the athleticism, all kind of coming into one where I still think Izzy is going to be able to beat everybody he faces at at 185, I really do. And I think we may even turn into, and we all know any one strike can end a fight, but just conventional wisdom has me believing and feeling that we're talking Izzy 185 for at least through the next, uh, this upcoming year of 2020. So the second part of your question is what's something I love to eat uh, just during Christmas time? And there's only one thing, dude, on my mind when it comes to Christmas time that's unusual or different. My mom makes these cookies that are so simple it's literally uh hershey bars with almonds in them melted down you pour in a box of cornflakes you mix the shit up you put them out no bake style four or five hours later they harden and they're legitimately like a drug i cannot help myself i can't i just gorge on them they are so delicious and wonderful i only have them this time of year because if i didn't i would be a very high candidate for diabetes probably within two weeks because i can't get enough of them and it's a problem and so thank you for having me uh, talk about my private shame uh, in front of all these people. So our next question comes from Pixie Dust 26, a.k.a. Derek Lewis Hotballs. <laughs> <laughs> what is her question? Which current UFC champion do you think will lose their belt by this time next year? And which contender do you believe is most likely to win a title? So the first part of her question was, I pretty much just answered. It was kind of similar to unsolicited. Uh, so her second question was, was was like, who do I think, what contender is going to get a belt next year? Uh, yeah, for me, I like Francis Ngannou. Um, I know that Stipe beat him in their first match, but he's had several fights since then. The dude's power is unmatched. Now the... The last hurdle, I think, or like the second to last boss, if we were talking in video game terms, is going to be Rosenstrike. If if Francis can get through Rosenstrike, I see him, because I see if the if the DC match happens, when the DC match happens with Stipe, I see Francis getting the next fight at Stipe. I think Francis will then have the, the experience and the wherewithal to take Stipe out. So for me, by this time next year, I think Francis Ngannou, heavyweight champion of the UFC, Obviously, provided that he gets through Rose's strike, which I do think he will. The other, the other one that's kind of on my mind that I went back and forth with was I think Henry Cejudo. Not only does my heart hope for this, but my head does. I think Henry Cejudo loses his 35 belt this year. So Petrion is the one I'm picking 
to dethrone him. I know that Aljo and Marlon are both ahead of uh, Petra in the 135-pound division rankings. I hate to say it because I love those guys. I love Marlon. I love Aljo. I really, really do. I still think Henry Cejudo beats those guys. I do think that Petrion takes Henry Cejudo out. So for me, if it's not Ngannou, my backup plan or pick, if you will, is definitely Petrion. Um, yeah, so that's who I would have. And that's who I have would be winning the 135-pound belt if uh, if they fight. So Petrion. Our next question. From Dave Fretz. I'd love to know your thoughts on the age-old GOAT of MMA debate. I personally don't think there is a way to come to that conclusion because of competition during each athlete's time in the sport. But I would say the biggest reason is the evolution of the sport. Just curious to know your thoughts. My man, Dave. Well, here's the thing. And, I, and I, you know, I used to be on a previous show, as we've all talked about before. Uh, we had this discussion kind of similar to that. So the GOAT, the GOAT debate has just too many variables in it for me, right? So what I did was I said, I want, I'm not going to say the na- like the GOAT, who I think is the greatest of all time, like above all, but I have picked who I think is the GOAT in each weight class. So for me, I'll run through that real quick. <clears throat> well, the formula is this, right? The formula or the, uh, what do you want to call it? The uh, criteria would be what's the skill set the fighter has, who have they fought, the time spent, Uh, at the top of their game and kind of what era they fought in, right? So I put all these things together. I put it in the old computer brain of mine and I come out with this. So for the 125-pound division, I've got, it should be everybody's, right? But I've got Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson for sure. For 135, I've got Amanda the Lioness Nunes for the women and I've got Dominic Cruz uh, for the men. 145, this is the one that kind of, gosh, I really go back and forth on. It's it's for me, it's still Jose Aldo. Now I know, and even my homie Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast said it on his last show. It's really hard to pick Aldo as the goat of that division when Max handled him the two times they fought. But what I'm doing is overall fucking body of work. I've got to still go Aldo for as long as his reign was, the dominance that he had, the weapon of his leg kick being feared by everybody just the longevity of him being at the very pinnacle of the division. I've still got to go Aldo. Do I think Max is a better fighter than him right now? Yeah, I do. Do I think the body of work overall for Aldo is better than Max's? At this point, I got to go with yes. So I'm sticking with Jose Aldo, 145. 155, Habib. The Eagle, dude, come on. He's undefeated. He hasn't even been fucking tested. He has run through everybody. I can't see any other debate as far as any other 155-er in the history of mixed martial arts. So for me, Habib, for sure. 170, come on. GSP, man, all day, every day. Hello, my name is GSP. I come from TriStar, Macho Canada. I love everybody. I love martial arts. He's my fucking dude. I love GSP. Fought the best of the best. Beat the best of the best. What a great guy. What an outstanding performer. What what an evolution that he had. Because, dude, if you want to talk about the beginning, the dude was a straight striker. I mean, he really was. He was a taekwondo guy, kickboxing guy. He evolved into one of the best wrestlers that this sport has ever seen. Taking away his personality, which I love. What a wonderful guy. Just in cage. Fucking GOAT 170 GSP. Oh, and by the way, moves up and just wins the 185-pound belt. And come on, just for a one-off. That's That shit's ridiculous. GSP's my answer for that one. 185, Anderson the Spider Silva. 
the kickboxing that he showed, the anytime he was in trouble on the ground, particularly against Chael in their first fight, I mean, pulling off the sub, the dude was fantastic everywhere. He beat the best of the best in what I think was the best division for about a six or seven year span. He was the fucking man, right? For me, Anderson Silva, and for me, he right now is the overall GOAT. <clears throat> Excuse me if I had to pick one, but I'm just doing weight classes. So for me, 185, Anderson Silva. 205, shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, John Jones. I don't know if there's a debate for really that anybody is going to have with me that's going to sway me in any way. It's John Jones, and I think for if I'm being honest with myself, he's probably going to end up being the greatest mixed martial arts in the history of our sport. I think 30, 40, 50 years from now, they're going to look back and be like, how the fuck was that guy that good? How is he that dominant? How is he that well-rounded? Unbelievable talent. Everything you could say negative about him is would be out of cage stuff. His in cage stuff is fucking sick. So John Jones, and my favorite of them all, heavyweight, my class, my division, my guys, Fedor, the last emperor in Millionenko. Did he ever fight in the UFC? No. Was he the fucking king of pride and everywhere else he ever went? Yes. Fedor Emelianenko, the cold stare, the blue eyes, the fucking murk people, every which way but loose, fought everybody outside of the UFC who was the best, fought everybody at Force. He's a fucking monster. Still, He's still fighting. He's like three years older than me. Still going. He took a quick retirement for a spell. But, yeah, for me, the heavyweight GOAT is Fedor Emelianenko. Now, moving on to our final question, which comes to us from Gator uh, at Cody Lab- Labney. Go ahead, assistant. (laughs) (laughs) Given the opportunity by the UFC to match up the top six uh, at FW, excluding Frankie, who are your matchups and why? Is it KZ Volk, Volk Max, Zabit, KZ? How would you do it? Well, featherweight is what she meant by FW, so that's the 145-pound division. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that could happen. Um, if I'm going to go with my heart on this one, I would say, I love, I'd love to see Max get a rematch. Does he deserve it? No. Volk won that fight very convincingly, but I'm a Stan and I stand by my man, Max. So I would love to see that fight. Traditionally, my head usually wins on these debates. If I'm going to go with my head, I have to go with, I'd much rather see the Korean zombie get a shot at Volk for the title. Uh, I would like Zabit and Max to actually fight for like the number one contender. So then we'd have kind of a, almost like a round robin. So get TKZ in there with Volk. I think Volk beats him. And then we'd see who beats, uh, who comes out after Zabit and Max fight. And then those winners can fight for the belt. I think that's fair. I think everybody's really included. I, I like that idea. So great question, Gator. Thank you for asking. So that kind of is going to move on from our question portion of the show today. I got lots of questions, lots of great feedback from you guys. I really, really appreciate it. The the, the thing with timing is I want to keep this, like I've said before, I want to keep the show in that 30 to 35-minute range. I want it to be perfect for your guys' commute or while you're putting away groceries and or doing dishes. That's what I want to be. I want to be your dishes and groceries put away guy. MMA, kickboxing, boxing show. So finally, before we get uh, before we get out of here, I am going to cover real quick the Glory Heavyweight Championship from last night. Uh, Bader Hari and Rico Verhoeven. Rico Verhoeven is my favorite kickboxer in the world. Very closely contested by Alex Perea, who also fought and won by fucking knockout. But Rico Verhoeven and Bader Hari have been years of bad blood since their last fight. Bader Hari had taken a long hiatus. 
Badrhari is someone I don't like. I've never liked. Rico Verhoeven is exactly who I've liked. I, I love the way the dude is. I love his attitude. I love the way he fights. They come out, and to be honest with you, Badrhari was getting the better of Rico. Rico's been the champion for a long time in glory. Rico was fucking losing. Okay, he was losing the fight. It was close, but I think Badr had won through the the first three rounds. And then Badrhari decides to throw a fucking spinning kick to Rico's head. It was kind of half blocked, half hit Rico in the head, didn't hurt him, and that broke Badrhari's ankle. He falls to the canvas in the middle of the third round. He's not getting back up. He was bawling, dude. Couldn't continue. Has to be stopped. That means a TKO win for Rico Verhoeven. Does this set up another fight with them? You bet your ass it does, okay? These two guys are international superstars. They're the top fucking stars, at least of the upper weight classes in, in glory. Do I want to see them again? Absolutely. fucking lutely Let's get Rico Verhoeven, Badr Hari 3. Let him get after it. That's one of my favorite bouts you could possibly make in kickboxing. And hell yeah, I want to watch it again. So, now as we are careening towards the end, as I like to say... We are so thankful you guys have uh, tuned in to hear us talk today about not only, like I said, we're a combat sports show. We love MMA, but we also love boxing. We love kickboxing. We love Muay Thai. I can't wait for Lion Fights to get back on TV again so I can start delving into them a little bit. But so, yeah, we covered our beautiful Twitter questions. Can't thank you enough. Laura Purple Pants, Unsolicited Fight Picks, Derek Lewis's Hot Balls, Gator, Dave Fretz. Thank you guys so much participating tonight is now is the point where i give some shout outs of the show big shout outs to my mma twitter familia jim Asoon, love you brother thank you for everything you do drea oh back to jim dude if you didn't see it jim and his wife are fucking saints over there in niagara falls they had wrapped a million presents for this uh family they adopted for the holiday season uh, they, he brought him food present. I mean, what wonderful people. I even tweeted out, if the world had more Jim Assoons and his wife in the world, it would be a better place. Shout out to you, big guy. I know you like to say, it's always 420. <laughs> uh, big shout out to Drea. I'm so jealous of you that you got to go to the last UFC in Vegas. Donnie, my man, D-Rocket. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your love on Twitter. Uh, Marquise, John's my main man from the Weak Sauce Radio. You are my boxing aficionado. You're my man. I love, love, love to follow you, dude. As always, my girl, Ashley, the MMA nerd. Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast. Mr. Tiddlywinks. G from OTV. Deja, my consigliere to Combat Sports with Rhino. You are very important. You are necessary. Can't tell you. Thank you enough. And finally, to my engineer with the most D Reigns, my music. He's looking around like, you're talking about me? Oh, yes. Big shout out to my man, D Reigns. Uh, thank you, Bailey, for coming in and being the, the question asker, the Twitter liaison. And from all of us to all of you, thank you. Happy holidays. And we will see you next week. 